Hi, my name is Steve Bell. I'm Rita West. I am Leonardo DiPolo. Hello, this is Jeff Cavey. Hello, friends. This is Colin Ray. Hey, this is Ali Aliyah. We are the Mosley. I'm Taylor Tripodi. I'm Joe Melendrez. And you are listening to the Salt and Light Hour. 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 And this is the Salt and Light Hour with you. You're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with You are listening to the Salt and Light Hour with my friend Deacon Pedro. Deacon Pedro. Deacon Pedro. With Deacon Pedro. Hello and welcome to our special 2018 Christmas edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. I'm Emily Callen. I am Beauty Chan. And today, as we do every year, we're joined by all our contributors, Jillian with What I Learned From My Kids, Mark with What's Good in Hollywood, and Sister Marie Paul Curley with Windows to the Soul. They will be giving their segments a little Christmas twist. And of course, we have Billy Chan with Church for Dummies. Yes. And Emily also <laughs> has something to share. That's not news. That's not news Yay, this week. Emily's not I doing know, news. Um, but before that, um, just before we get into all that, I want to let everybody know that we're very excited about playing music today from a new and excellent new album. I don't know if you guys have heard it yet. The Advent of Christmas by Matt Marr. Um, it's an excellent album. It's mm-hmm. so good. And we're going to be speaking with Matt during the program as well. So that's pretty cool. And we're giving away a copy of The Advent of Christmas. So if you want a copy... Not you, Billy. You can't get one. What? But, you see but my if eyes. Our, is looking uh, yeah, I did you see already. your eyes. So if, if our listeners <laughs> if our listeners want a copy of Matt Mars' The Advent of Christmas, you're going to have to do some work. You're going to have to send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org, and tell us which is your favorite Christmas album of all times. It doesn't have to be Catholic or Christian. Just oh, any man. your favorite Christmas album of all times. Email that to us, radio at saltandlighttv.org, and we're going to put all those emails in a hat. And in a couple of weeks, we'll draw out a winner. So go and send an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org. What if they don't have a favorite album and this is the moment when they you know could what? have a favorite album by listening to the Matt <laughs> Then Mar- they're going to have to make up <laughs> a favorite album. Okay. And we're not going to check. You know? it's like, um, and I'm not going to ask you guys what your favorite Christmas album is. But uh, there's, I have some, uh, anyway, whatever. Emily, Emily, you wanted to tell us something. Yeah, well, it was just a reflection I was having as Christmas is approaching. Uh-huh. And... Uh, I mean, we're always giving gifts as, at Christmas, right? So I don't know. Are you are you good at gift giving? I'm terrible. Terrible. I get, are, what about Same you, Billy? It's not really I my am, love language. Like, no. I, I only give yeah. my gift to my wife. I don't even. Okay. My wife and I don't even give each other gifts. Oh no. Really. So what else do you do then? We just spend Nothing. time together. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> you see, Nothing. asking, you asking to married man. No, forget it. <laughs> no, but so Emily, the... it's going to be a Christmas, a Merry Christmas hug. Yeah, <laughs> that's all you're getting. I from like me. hugs. That's my love language. Yeah, okay, well, there physical you go. touch. So, uh, hug me anytime you want. Okay. But um, <laughs> at Emmy Callan, <laughs> send me hugs virtually. Hashtag no, hug. the reason I'm asking you is because I, I I was reflecting on this and I I realize I'm not. Um, I didn't think I was very not very good, but I didn't think that I. Light, light give, giving because okay. it was kind of like it filled me with an, a little bit of anxiety. Mm-hmm. I, uh-huh. You know, it bothered me that I never really knew what to get people. And right. there's all this mm. pressure around Christmas to get like the perfect gift. Yeah. Um, and then I thought, you know what? Like, maybe that's not what it's about. It's not about getting the perfect gift, right? Um, but where, what, where is my heart at when I'm looking for something? Like, what is, who is the behind the gift that 
I yeah, am yeah, yeah. giving, right? So so that the relationship, like the gift is good and it's nice and Christmas is a beautiful opportunity to show appreciation to someone. Um, but the relationship is even more important than that, right? Okay, to, but you're not talking about, so you don't feel like you need to give gifts to everybody. You're talking about very specific people that you have to give gifts to or that you want yeah, to like give Yeah, like close gifts, family like members. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, okay. Um, so, because you want to show those people appreciation and, and, yeah. and love. Um, but, um, but I was thinking, you know, why am I so anxious about it? Like, that's not something that comes from God. Like, I shouldn't no. feel so anxious around Christmas time. Um, I just want to be able to tell these people that I, I love them. Right. Um, and so I need to remember to nurture this relationship outside of this season of gift giving, right? That um, that uh-huh. the gift is nice, but that it's not everything. Right. Yeah, whenever I need to buy gift, yeah, I, mm. I'm so stressed. And I'm only give it to my wife. Hey, come on, you know, you're going to buy for me, please. I don't know. I only get stressed yeah. if it's like my two. Like one son, yeah. he's like, he, this is what I want. And it's very clear what he wants. So it's mm-hmm. really easy. The other one, he's like, and, and he actually doesn't care because he's mm-hmm. like me. He's like, I don't know why. It's like, and right. So he'll say something lame like, I want food. <laughs> so it's like, whatever. Okay, so he'll get food. I don't yeah. know. Like, yeah. And, but then you feel like you should give your kids something meaningful or at least something yeah. that they want. Yeah. yeah, right. I don't know. I don't know. I, it was just, again, I... Yeah, no, it's, it's a good thought. So. It's just one thought, and I, I was, you know, thinking, well, maybe the question I need to ask myself when I'm looking for gifts or when I'm, I'm thinking about this, you know, having this reflection is like, okay, where is my heart at when I'm looking for a gift for a particular someone? Um, and and am I also allowing God to um, to provide for, for that person, right? If I'm not, because I'm not capable maybe of, right. of giving, like, the perfect thing that they need but mm. that that God also um, is part of that um, uh-huh. of that giving hmm. um, yeah. and uh, and he's also given me like resources specific resources and means and time um, to uh, to look for something. To look for something. Yeah. Anyway, and pray for that person. I guess that's probably the best yeah. gift. So you can, mm-hmm. And you can give me a hug anytime. Okay. Um, that's <laughs> Emily Callan. If you want to send her a virtual hug, at Emmy Callan. Um, guys, uh, just, just coming up is Matt, uh, Mark Matthews from Hollywood. But also I mentioned that we're going to be speaking with Matt Mahar, uh, Matt Marr uh, <laughs> later about his new album, The Advent of Christmas. So just a reminder for everyone that we're, they need to send us an email for a chance to win a copy of the album radio at saltandlighttv.org. And to inspire them, why don't we start with a song as we always do. So here's Matt Marr with Hope for Everyone from his new album, The Advent of Christmas. Hear the angels sing, there's hope for everyone. To announce our King, there's hope for everyone. What good news they bring, there's hope for everyone. Angels sing, there's hope for everyone. They came from afar. Wise men saw the star, there's hope for everyone. Shepherds heard the choir, there's hope for everyone. From afar, there's hope for everyone. We are waiting on the promise for the one who lights the darkness. Come let us adore There's hope for everyone 
That was Matt Marr with Hope for Everyone from his new album, The Advent of Christmas. And we're going to be speaking with Matt Marr very shortly about that album and the book that he wrote that goes with it. But first... What's Good in Hollywood with our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews. Mark. Hello, Pedro. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Happy advent Christmas almost. We wish you a Merry Advent. We wish you a Merry Advent. <laughs> that's it. That's it. And, and yes. It's, yes. So you have good news uh, about something in Hollywood. I, I do. It's around this time of year that I'm reminded of a, a time once when a priest I knew very well was returning from Mass, and I said, oh, how was Mass? And he had a good sense of humor. He said, oh, you meet the mystery of God made flesh before us? The event whom choirs celebrate and demons flee from? Infinite being and creator of the universe incarnate and made physically present? Oh, it was okay. <laughs> and he was, he was gently ribbing me, pointing out my theological undersight. Yes. Because uh, the, the Mass is always miraculous. It's celebrating, you know, this miraculous God's incarnation on Earth and everything. So, right. so I only I only ask about how the Hondels <laughs> were now from this point. Yeah. But I love meditating on the incarnation. It's been a real theme for me these last few years. Mm-hmm. And we have to ask ourselves this question: Go well. Why did God choose Bethlehem? Why two thousand years ago during the Roman occupation? You know, why an Aramaic-speaking Jew who knew carpentry? You know, I'm, it's almost like, well, he's God. Shouldn't he be more universal than just a single person? But yet, he ha- you have to make something specific. It's not just, you know, Jesus Christ is God's expression of love made manifest for us. And it's not just enough to experience something as a feeling. It needs to be given a concrete form. So you think of marriage. A wedding is held at a specific time and place where a couple, they proclaim their love for each other. Throughout their life, they manifest this love through numerous acts, taking out the garbage, to caring for each other during sickness and everything. It it has to be made, given a real time and place. Uh Right. So... I'm. You, no, I was going to say you lost me. I mean, I get the marriage and I get the love and the incarnation, uh, but that sounds really theological. And what does it have to do with Hollywood? <laughs> yes, it's, yes. Good question. What does it have to do with Hollywood? Well, Hollywood is full of artists, and artists are incarnators. Oh, uh, and, okay. Yeah. 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 They, they all have to give a specific form at a specific time and place to co- abstract concepts and feelings. And without them, we would have no way to fully express our deepest feelings and longings. And so, you know, I, it, it's, it, it, Hollywood is a center of incarnation, in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for us as Catholics, there's a few interesting things that we should sort of keep in mind. And one is that postmodernism has destroyed this idea of objective beauty. The world says, oh, beauty is whatever you make it. Mm-hmm. Oh, that might be beautiful for you, but... Not for me, you know, and we see grotesque works of art being celebrated. Mm-hmm. But the Church has always said that there is objective beauty. Beauty is something that us Catholics firmly believe in, and we believe that it's a reflection of God. And what I think is kind of funny and ironic is that Hollywood wouldn't actually exist if objective beauty didn't exist, because then 
nobody would know how to create an experience that we would all be drawn to to make lots of money. Right. So, so I, it's, wow, I think, I don't yeah. think that there's a real irony there. Yeah. So, so, you know, art, and I think another thing that we need to keep in mind is that for these artists who are creating these works of beauty, to remember that they are co-creators with God. Hmm. Um, artists sacrifice a lot to create these beautiful works of art, but we need to encourage them and remind them that they are taking part in God's work. And, and this beautiful art can convert hearts and bring people closer to God. Hmm. So, so that's a very, very, very quick theological reflection on incarnation and art in Hollywood. That's beautiful because we, I think incarnation, and it makes sense because we, in a way, are, in, I mean, we're incarnated. Uh, so yeah. it, it, I think it's intrinsic in who we are in our nature to be incarnate. So it makes sense yeah. that that this would make sense to us intrinsically or, yeah. Yeah. And and, and yeah. I love that you see that in the creative work that you do and so many others do in Hollywood and I guess all over the world. Um, yeah. And and we overlook it. I think art is kind of derided sometimes. Yeah, but it is. No, it's it's one of the most profound ways we can experience God. It is, absolutely. And uh, thank you for being part of that group of artists that help us... Uh, uh, that help point us to God through beauty. Thank you, Mark. Keep all of us artists in your prayers. Amen. Amen. And Merry Christmas to you, Mark Matthews. Thank you. You too. God bless you. Mark Matthews, the incarnator. <laughs> there you go. What's good in Hollywood? Lots of things being incarnated through beauty. With Mark Matthews, our undercover Hollywood missionary. Follow him at missionary. Hi, I'm Emily Callen, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is a special Christmas edition of the Salt and Light Hour. You can learn more about Salt and Light at saltandlighttv.org. And now it's time for What I Learned from My Kids with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back. Thank you. Merry almost Christmas. Merry almost Christmas. Yes, you've learned something from your from your angels. From my angels. Your yes. Christmas angels. Yes. Advent has provided us with many opportunities to learn things. <laughs> the okay. lesson we'll focus on today is the fact that sometimes we are book learners and sometimes hands-on experience ah. is just what we need or maybe it's all that we can do. <laughs> yes. Um I think as I was preparing for this I was thinking back to past Christmas episodes that I've done with you. And I may have mentioned, I may have not, anyway. Um, one of our traditions, one of the things that we try to do every year with the kids is travel the road to Bethlehem with Mary and Joseph through um, this it's a product that we purchased. It's called the Jesse Box. Yes. It's basically a nativity, but it comes with um, kind of like a scripture study or a guided lesson plan uh-huh. for things that you can talk about and prayers for your... Um, to say with your kids as you're gathered together. Right. Um, it's not a huge time commitment because it only they only um, really look at it every Sunday of Advent. So it seems like it should be something that's pretty simple to do. And in past years it has been, and the kids have been excited about it. And this year, the same. They talk about it, they ask questions. When are we going to do the Advent box? Is it time for the Jesse box? Is it time for the Jesse box? When are we doing the Jesse box? Yeah. But inevitably, every time we sit down to do the Jesse box, mm. it turns into chaos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, yeah, it's just crazy. And I would like to say that it's just the little kids and we can control it, but it's not. 
the chaos is at the hands of the eight and the ten year olds. Yes. And I, we can't figure out. Like, come on, guys, you're you're old enough. Things. Yeah, exactly. Please sit down and let's just. This is the one thing that we're doing for Advent, and I think even that might be a little bit lame. Like, we're not really working that hard to prepare for the coming of Jesus, so please sit down. <laughs> yeah. But then I look at my own prayer life and I realize <clears throat> I'm just as hyper and distracted. And my hyperness isn't that I am jumping on the couch, but that I can't sit still for more than two minutes without a new to-do list popping into my head or jumping up to finish something else or move on to a next task. Though there's been conversations I've been having with David and in the middle of the conversation, I just turn and walk away because I, I thought of something <laughs> else I have to do. No. <clears throat> so they're not the only ones who are distracted. It certainly is me as well. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> excuse me. But then I realized that one of the reasons for the distraction is this baby that I'm actually rocking in my arms right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so maybe this year we're not so much book learners with the guided lesson plans and the Advent journals, but we are um, hands-on learners with very practical experience as we gaze upon our baby. Um, and that's one of the things that I've brought to the, especially the boys, because I just feel like they're old enough to understand a bit more about personal prayer. We've talked about the way that we look at Leo and the way that we respond to our two-month-old baby um, is the way that we should approach the baby Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because they miss him, they miss Leo when they're away at school all day long. And when they come home, the first thing they want to do is hug him and hold him. They long for him, they yearn for him. Um, they want to kiss him and smooch him and hold him. And that same passion and that same desire that they have to meet with their baby brother should also be the way that we greet our baby Jesus. And it's, it is, as um, has been discussed by many people many times, it's so amazing and awesome and wonderful that Jesus Christ came to us as a baby, um, and we get to witness his neediness as a, a child, as a baby, because he needed all those things that babies need. He needed holding and feeding and changing and loving and cuddling. And so we can use, I think, that example um, in our own approach to prayer, whether we're kids or whether we're grown-ups. The way that we approach um, Jesus as a baby should shape the way that we come to him in prayer. We should long for him. We should want to hug him and hold him and do all those things that we, we do with a baby, no matter at what stage or what imaginings we have of Jesus when we pray, mm-hmm. it should be with that same passion mm-hmm. that we would love a baby. Yeah. So, so yeah, so we're not doing very well with our Desi <laughs> box or me with my Advent journal, but we are focusing on a baby and we are loving on a baby. Right. And I think it's broadening our experience and our understanding of Jesus as a baby. And that's, it's just really been, in that way, a beautiful and peaceful Advent for us. Amen. Good. I think, yeah, no, you're right. I think that with our spiritual life that the hands-on learning is always has to be part of the process. There's only so much we can learn by the book. Um, And it's nice to have our kids remind us of that. Um, And I'm glad that you're enjoying this Advent and Christmas season with uh, baby Leo. uh, Babies are always a good reminder, (laughs) (laughs) right? Um, Thank you. Thank you, Jillian. And uh, Merry Christmas to you and the gang. Thank you very much. Same to you and yours. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program Mothering Full of Grace. She's the writer of A Woman's Voice, and she's the wife of David and the mother of Joseph, Henry, Annie, Clara, Jane, and Leo. Hi, I'm Mark Matthews, your Hollywood undercover missionary, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro.
I'm Deacon Pedro. Contact me on Facebook or Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. We all know Matt Marr as a singer and songwriter, but he's now trying his hand as a children's author. I had the chance to speak with him last week. Matt, welcome back to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you so much, Deacon Pedro. Thanks for having me. Um, so refreshing to uh, hear new music from you. Um, but the book, that was a surprise. So tell me about why we're, we're, why Matt Marr is uh, authoring children's books. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure why either. Um, Other than you have three small children at home, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. I, the thing that parenthood makes you put in 10,000 hours into things that you never mm-hmm. thought you would put 10,000 hours into. And one of those is definitely reading bedtime stories. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and there's this repetitive nature, uh, I think, just to being with kids. If, if you do something fun with them, they want to do it again. <laughs> right, I and know. Again and again and again. Exactly. And uh, so I think for me, the process of, you know, conceptually... Really, I did a lot of, like, it sounds funny, but I did a lot of, like, prayer work uh-huh. the last last Advent, sewing into making this record. And uh-huh. I started writing some songs during the season of Advent, but I really did a lot of the conceptual thinking about the album mm-hmm. during the season of Advent. And, uh, and then in the Christmas season especially, I started working on some of the songs some of the songs that I'd already have, and I'd already had the album title in my head. I was like, I'm going to call the record The Advent of Christmas. Yeah. It's going to be about yeah. the four weeks of Advent. And so then I just started thinking, you know, parents always say to me, your kids or my kids want to listen to your music yeah. over and over and over again in their car. So yes. I thought, well, it's I want so to make a book that, that feels like the album where the the words of the book are kind of nursery rhymish, but they they point to the record and vice versa. Mm-hmm. So that was really just the attempt, and and I wanted to make it a bedtime story book because bedtime stories are just a way I feel like I get to reconnect with my children before the day ends. Yeah, and um, and I thought I'd make it really short so then parents would <laughs> dread reading the book, reading it over and over again for four weeks at least every yep. year. Um, put it at the end of the of the advent of advent. Put it back in the Christmas box so you don't have to see it for another year. Um, exactly. Um, did you find as as you were new parents and then I mean now with three children that you wanted to start new rituals with them, especially around Advent and Christmas time that would become traditions? Or how many of those rituals were you borrowing from when you were growing up as a child? Well, I think there's stuff that I brought and there's stuff that my wife brought. You know, like mm-hmm. Christmas Day, my wife made cinnamon rolls. And mm. that was something that her family did every on Christmas morning. And I was like, oh, wow, we never did that. That's awesome. Nice. You know, I think um, decorating the tree has definitely become one of the indicators that we're close to yeah. the season of Christmas. And yeah. and I think, yeah, doing that with our kids now has become, you know, in, in a short period of time, and I'm sure as they get a little bit older, it'll be more and more, you know, elaborate and fun. Yeah. But that's become a massive tradition. You know, the big thing is on Thanksgiving, the weekend of Thanksgiving, we go to, um, we drive out to Buffalo. Okay. And, um, uh, my wife's family typically celebrates Thanksgiving uh, and Christmas the same weekend. Okay. Uh, as a family, because uh, 
it because everybody's all over the place. They understand that you yeah. know, well, it's large families, like thirty-five people, and they understand that now yeah. there's in-laws and there's other family members. So yeah, what's funny is that that usually ends up being the weekend of or the weekend right before the start of the Advent season. So yeah. for me, that's become a. It's like a. Plus, you're driving to Buffalo, so chances are there's snow on the ground. Yeah, and <laughs> it's become an indicator of oh. This is where we are now. But, you know what I mean? Like right. a new liturgical year. Interesting. Or, you know. But so, that, you know, I, there there are these establishment of these new yeah, rituals and traditions, and they're really, really important. I think yeah. that you have to keep moving forward in life. And mm-hmm. um, that's, that's, you know, I think Christmas becomes the one time a year where we take all of the past and we bring it up to the present. And sometimes that can be in a, a real indictment uh-huh. um, on the present. And I think that's why we're ritualistic beings. We're actually supposed to establish new ones mm-hmm. because they help continue to root us in the present and not keep us drifting in, in the past. Yeah, that's true. Does that, though, make it hard for you? Because I find that, especially with the book, that it's all about slowing down. You're trying, I think, it, it's hard to teach our kids to slow down. Everywhere, everywhere, Everyone else is already on Christmas right after Thanksgiving or sometimes before. You're celebrating Christmas with your in-laws and that family at, before even Advent begins. Do you find that, that then it's it's a harder uh uh, process to, especially with your children, to get them to enter into that season of Advent? Or maybe it makes it easier. Maybe it's a clear designation that something new is beginning, well, like you said. Yeah, I think for me, the the thing that helps so much, honestly, and I, I, I've said this throughout promoting this album, is when I get to heaven, who, which, where, whichever one of the church fathers decided... <laughs> To celebrate, to say we should celebrate the feast of the incarnation at the darkest time of the year. Right. Like, I want to give that guy a massive high five and a hug. <laughs> yeah. Because it it makes the job of as a parent in terms of being a catechist, it actually makes it a lot easier because, um, the like all of creation, there's a massive shift in the western in Western Hemisphere. Mm-hmm. It's like. Just literally at the start of Advent, all of a sudden it's like, whoa, what happened? Who turned the lights off? Yeah, you know it's what true. I mean? It's yeah. like, it's getting dark outside, the days get shorter, it's getting colder, you know. Um, the leaves, you know, the trees were like, it's like, wait a second, they were this glorious display of color and, you know, um, majesty just a few weeks ago, and now they're totally dead. They're totally barren. Mm-hmm. And it, to me, it, it, it does such a great job of setting up the season. Yeah, it's that, true. Um, that, so, so I don't, I, I less feel like I'm competing with the world for my kids' attention. I think, um, and I think honestly, the best thing for me to do as a parent during the season of Advent is to just slow down and make more time to be with them. So, mm-hmm. one of the things for me that's an unofficial. Uh, Advent tradition. This sounds weird, I know, but I think you'll get it. Is is to watch Lord of the Rings, <laughs> and all of those movies were released during the Advent season. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. I kind of get it. Yes. And um, with your kids, or <laughs> they're not old enough no, to watch no, Lord of the Rings. Right? No, my kids are way too young. Yeah. But I'm I've I've started telling stories around the campfire. Right. And I told my seven-year-old story of The Hobbit, and now he wants to read the book, and he's seven. 
Yeah, no, so the, he's yeah, just he can, about yeah. the age. Yeah, so that's a yeah. It's just you know, I think for me, what I'm realizing during Advent is if I can slow down and be more present as a parent, that does yeah. more. You know, we all went and watched the Nutcracker. Uh huh. Yeah. Family, um, like an abridged version. Yes. And my five-year-old daughter was just literally sitting on the edge of her seat, just glued. Beautiful. To the stage. Yeah. Um, and I, I, so I think, um, I think, I think you first witness to your kids by being present. And once there's an established sense of presence, then I think they'll listen to you talk about anything. They just want to be with you. Yeah, it's true. Actually, that's a good, that's a good, good advice for parents. Yeah. If we want them to slow down, we have to slow down first. Um, Yeah, I think. Yeah, slow down to be with them. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. That was the first part of a conversation I had with Matt Marr last week. At the end of the show, we'll bring him back to tell us about the music of the Advent of Christmas. Remember to send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org, for a chance to win a copy of the Advent of Christmas. Email us the title of your favorite Christmas album, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Coming up in our second half hour, Church for Dummies, Windows to the Soul, the rest of my conversation with Matt Marr, and more music from the Advent of Christmas. So stay tuned. Welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Christmas Edition Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Here's Matt Marr singing with Amy Grant with Always Carry You from Matt's new album, The Advent of Christmas. Beyond my understanding Beyond the world I knew Your plan appeared in front of me Oh, let it be done unto me do not be afraid every word is true from the moment I believe I've always carried you to a world in need of a love that's true from the moment Of a love that 
never be afraid to be brave enough to live the way we were meant to live. That was Matt Marr with Always Carry You from Matt's new album, The Advent of Christmas. And singing with Matt on that track was Amy Grant. And in a little bit, we're going to be speaking with Matt Marr again about his new Christmas album. And to win a copy of the album, remember, send us an email, radio at saltandlighttv.org, telling us your favorite Christmas album, radio at saltandlighttv.org. You're listening to a Salt and Light Hour Christmas special. I'm Deacon Pedro. And now it's time for Church for Dummies. With Billy Chan and Emily Callan. Yeah. Emily Callan. One more no. dummy. Yeah, one more dummy. I <laughs> should be I should be asking you what is your favorite Christmas album. You, you've had all this time to think about it, but I'm not going to do that because Billy has I a question. I have a question. Okay, so I have a question all year round, right? All year round. All year round you have the all same year, question. Same question. Not, not same question, but I always have a question. I always ask my mom the question. The question is why I was born in that day, that day. I mean... What? Why my day? Why you were born on your birthday? Yes, why my I was well, born on my birthday? Well, Billy, nine months. <laughs> but anyway, you know. That's a different show. Yeah, but anyway. So, be- because of this question, I'm always asking this question as well. The other question. The other question. The real question. The real question is. Well, what is it? Yeah, this is yeah. like the suspense <laughs> the, is killing the me. The real question is why Christmas Day is on December 25th every year? Well, it's every, because no, but somebody randomly decided that that's the day we we're really? going to celebrate Christmas. Yeah, Jesus was probably not born not on December born. 25th. But why? Well, December 25th was a pagan holiday. December I can't remember. Yeah, it's the winter solstice. What? That's what it was. Yeah. So why fact, we decided as a as I, uh, December 25th? Probably, I don't know. There might be somebody out there listening that knows more about this. But Easter, Easter is the same. Easter takes t- place around the spring solstice. So these were holidays that were pagan, as Emily said, Mm -hmm. and in order to Christianize them. So if people were already celebrating something on the the, around the 20th, 21st, 25th of December, they were already celebrating something. Then Christianity didn't want to take that away or have them celebrate something else at the same. Sorry, on a different day, as well as that, they just replaced the holiday with something giving the Christian uh, Value, value, or, or meaning. Mm-hmm. So that's why. That's really the very simple. So reason. it's not that it, because of December twenty fifth, we know that we 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 use that as a March twenty fifth 
is the annunciation, the right? Yes, exactly. And because of that, yeah. So that I don't know. I don't know if they would have, have figured come out. Afterwards. Yeah, you think that they figure that one out afterwards? Like, okay, so the after the Christmas, I would think so. Out, yeah, yeah. They're probably already celebrating Christmas around that time. Of course, there's a symbolism about darkness. You know, and he, in in north in the northern hemisphere, mm-hmm. see in Panama we didn't have this, but mm-hmm. in the northern hemisphere you do notice that days are getting shorter. Ah. There's more darkness, more darkness, more yeah, darkness yeah, 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 yeah. until the sol the solstice solstice is actually on December twenty first, um, and then so it's like De- December twenty first is it's the first shortest day, of day is the shortest day of, of the year is the shortest day of the year, less sunlight. So and then after Christmas. Or, or yes. around that time, the days start getting longer mm-hmm. and longer and longer until you get to spring, right? Which is so Easter, uh-huh, and Easter, that's we're uh-huh. still having more light and more light and more light. But 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 I mean, it's interesting because there's no Christian holiday. For but the there's a lot of solstice. symbolism behind that yeah, when you is. look at having Christmas around the winter solstice, right? Yeah, which is this so. idea of Christ coming into the world, which was dark and. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Right? So, of course, the so light they, of the world. Mm-hmm. There, but, but I, I think it's a, it's a great question because I think it, it, it says something about how the world that was pagan mm-hmm. was Christianized, and it's that Christianity uh. kind of took over. Um, a funny story in Panama, Mother's Day is December eighth, feast of the Immaculate Conception, and how did that uh, come about? It yeah. came about because we had a very anti-Catholic government a hundred years ago or so, and they were getting rid of all the Catholic holidays. And his wife and a group of women convinced them to take to make all these pagan feasts. Mm-hmm. So December eighth became Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. Uh, November first became the Day of the Child. So that's All Saints Day, right? Um, and and so so that was a way to they actually did the reverse to to yeah, keep yeah, yeah. the the religious holiday by making giving it a, a non-religious significance. So, wow. but if you think about it, it yeah. makes perfect sense to celebrate Mother's Day on the feast of the Immaculate Conception. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Little yeah. did they know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's kind of kind of cool. I think. Right. Um, in the same way that the cross, which was this Roman symbol of oppression, and the Romans would taunt the cross as to show how powerful powerful they were and how they were going to crush everybody with the cross, and then Christianity took that same cross and went. Became we're not afraid of this. Symbol of redemption. And it became a symbol of exactly mm-hmm. a symbol of redemption to the point that the Romans couldn't use it anymore as a symbol of oppression. So it's kind of interesting. So oh, maybe we should be thinking about how, what are all those pagan <laughs> symbols that we should be thinking about. How can we change over. it back, right? Exactly. Change, change it back. So, so there. It's a good question, Billy. I see. Thank you. You're very welcome. Billy Chan, the, what is your job here? You're the webmaster. <laughs> well, you, you guys go job. to our website, saltandlighttv.org. All, if you don't like anything there, it's all Billy. All three languages, and uh, and uh, you can follow him at B Joe Chan. Correct. Mm-hmm. And Emily joined us today as well. Thank you. At Emmy Kellen. Hi, I'm Julian Cantor, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You're listening to our Salt and Light Hour Christmas special. I'm Deacon Pedro, and coming up, Matt Marr is going to be joining us uh, again. But first. Now it's time for Windows to the Soul with Sister Marie Paul Curley. Sister, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. And a blessed um, last few days of Advent yes. before we get into the lovely Christmas season. I know, you too. Thank you. Thank you. So you're going to... Yes. I have a question for you. Okay. I, what is your favorite Christmas short? Short? Um, oh, uh, Ch- uh, Charlie Brown Christmas. 
of course. Of course. That's, that that yes. totally fits. Yes, that's a great classic. Yeah, that's funny. Classic I wouldn't. Story. Yeah, that yeah, it's a classic, and we watch it every year. Oh, that's nice to hear. Well, I've I've discovered. I was delighted to discover a possible new family Christmas classic that's uh-huh. short. Um, of all places, I found it on Netflix, mm-hmm. and which was great. Um, it's called Angela's Christmas. Uh-huh. It is a Netflix original. It's only a half hour. It's based on a short story written by, you know, the famous novelist Frank McCourt. And okay. it, you know, it's hard to talk about a short without giving away spoilers. But mm-hmm. I will say this. I think it totally deserves to be the new animated family Christmas classic. And I'm going to give you three reasons why. <laughs> okay. The first reason is that the Christ child is and remains the focus of the story, but not not in a way that is, is retelling the Christmas story, not at all. It's It just brings out, it highlights the deeper meaning of Christmas, this, this idea that Jesus came to be with us to save us, uh-huh. you know, and that he shares everything with us, even our sufferings. But it, it puts that message with a story that the littlest of kids can relate to. Hmm. It's just absolutely charming animation. Mm-hmm. Um, and secondly, there's a real beautiful focus on the family. Not only, um, it's a story about Angela, who's a little girl uh, who lives in Ireland with her mother and her three, I think it's three siblings. Yeah. And the movie starts with them going off to Christmas Midnight Mass together. And they, Angela has to learn to get along with her, with her brother, but it's also how the mother explains to them the real meaning of family. And, uh, you know, I hate, I, I, I'm bringing in theology here, but I could see a reference to St. John Paul's domestic, calling the family the domestic church here. Okay. It was just oh, wow. beautifully done. Really, really darling. Wow. Um, and thirdly, it's a, there's a real focus on the less fortunate in the film, which is, I think, an important part of every Christmas story that's told. And uh, there's, it's the, the, the whole little half hour is, is interwoven with that, but not in a preachy way. Again, just in a beautiful way that shows that putting others first, um, loving mm-hmm. others, um, reaching out to those who don't have what we have is, is really beautiful. So that's all the, the really good reasons to see this film. But really, honestly, it's so cute. It's so darling. It's so entertaining. Mm-hmm. There's inside jokes for Catholics that only Catholics will appreciate. Okay. Like, was there really a miracle in St. Joseph's Church that night? Right. Um, there's the whole, you know, little Angela's concern about baby Jesus being cold. Uh, there's a whole little suspense scene that happens in the church that's just exquisite. Like, they just do a really good job of really talking about the meaning of Christmas in the lives of this very real uh, little family. And um, if, I had to, if I had to gripe, the one thing that I think this film is really missing is it doesn't, from what I can remember, and I've seen it twice, it doesn't have any Christmas music in it. Oh. So they really, the filmmakers really missed something at the end. It really needed like a what child is this right. or a silent okay. night at the end, you know. But despite those shortcomings, this little film packs a lot more into it than most other Christmas films that you'll see, anything else that I've seen released this year. Okay, so. great. Wow, so that's great. And everybody can watch it because it's on Netflix. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so that's that's great. And it's for the whole family, not a long film. Even the little ones can watch it. Great. Uh, we have a little more time, Sister. Are there any other suggestions that you have for people over the holidays that they can watch? Oh, yes. If if you haven't seen The Star, the full-length animated okay. activity story yes. told from the viewpoint of the animals, that's a great one. That is definitely worth seeing. And also, t- last year they came out with The Man Who Invented Christmas, uh-huh. which... 
is a lovely retelling of Dickens' A Christmas Carol. I mean, I can't stand the title of the film because you don't invent Christmas, obviously. Right. <laughs> but but it, it's yeah. a very worthy retelling, fascinating for writers like myself. Okay. Um, but also a fresh approach that really, I thought, worked well with some oh, magnificent performance. Good, yeah. I had seen that title and I wondered about it. Uh, uh, so now I'm going to go watch it because you suggested it. Great. Okay, sister, Merry Christmas. Got blessed Christmas to you <laughs> and to everyone. <laughs> All right. We'll uh, talk to you in the new year. Yes. God bless. Sister Marie Paul Curley is with the Congregation of the Daughters of St. Paul, and you can read her blog at windowsothesoul.wordpress.com and follow her at Sister M. Paul. I am Billy Chan. You are listening to the Southern Night Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. Email us at radio at saltandlighttv.org for a chance to win a copy of Matt Marr's The Advent of Christmas. Email us the title of your favorite Christmas album, and we'll put all those emails in a hat, and we'll draw out a winner. So remember, email us radio at saltandlighttv.org. We've been listening to Matt Marr's The Advent of Christmas. Last week, I had the chance to speak with Matt Marr about the album and the children's book that goes with it. Here's the second part of our conversation. Let's talk about the music a little bit because uh, some of the songs, did you, you set out to to write a Christmas album, you said, or were some of these songs already written? Because some of them even sound, I mean, I love the fact that there's so many different styles. You know, there's like the Hark the Herald is like you're in the living room in Newfoundland um, uh, with your, <laughs> um, but there's, there's pop, there's, there's instrumental, there's acoustic, sorry, not instrumental, but the acoustic, you know, like it, it's, it's a very, it's a, it's a nice refreshing combination of different styles. Um, but at the same yeah. time, some of the songs sound like maybe they're not necessarily Christmas songs that I could be listening to He Shall Reign as a worship song at any time of the year or even Love Came Down. I mean, that's maybe more specifically the lyrics, but you know what I mean? Um, or did yeah. you set out specifically, it's like these are songs that are inspired by your Advent or Christmas experience? Yeah, I mean, I think all of them were, you know, Gabriel's message Obviously, that's a bass carol that's been around a long time. Yeah. Sting did a cover of it in the 90s. Yeah. And so that's how I first learned about it. But I I played music orchestra and choir. I went to Munn School of Music for three years. And so much of my formative musical years, I spent playing trombone uh-huh. in, in the youth orchestra, Newfoundland Symphony Youth Orchestra. Mm-hmm. And we traveled to Montreal. We traveled to Banff. We traveled to Ottawa, mm-hmm. went to Wales. And so that that first piece, track one, is literally like a tribute to all of those years. Yeah. Because we'd always end up playing Christmas music. So, so much of my early, um, my in my formative musical years, my experience of Advent and Christmas music was was more symphonic or orchestral or classical based. So right. I wanted to have something that kind of was a tip of the hat to that. And um, there's even one part where there's this really loud trombone part that kind of sticks out. <laughs> a tribute to yourself. I was sort of, yeah, that was the, that yeah that was that was like I was like I'm gonna try to illustrate this is 17 year old me playing trombone in the oh, back of the orchestra. That's hilarious. Um, yeah. He, you know, he shall rain was written with Chris Tomlin. Mm-hmm. Um, the verses were based on a, an old Catholic hymn called "In the Bleak Midwinter." Uh huh. Um, and combined with Handel's Messiah, which was another thing that I used to see, okay. I used to watch every year, okay. the Soto's Handel's Messiah. So, yeah, what I would say, you know, Jingle Bells is very much, you yeah. know, I studied jazz in college, and 
And at the same time, like I loved Nat King Cole's Christmas records uh-huh. and, and more recently Harry Connick Jr.'s. Yes. So it, the whole album really is more of a musical, um, it is a musical kaleidoscope, but that's, that's, it's my life, you know? I mean, the, yeah, I, 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 I get that. studied all these different types of music and then I happened to write, um, a contemporary worship song that, uh, resonated with a lot of people and the form of your grace is enough and that yeah you know, there are these moments in life and they can sort of they can narrow your path and it's not a bad thing mm-hmm. but i think for me what i realized was well christmas is the one time of year where it really doesn't matter what the genre is it's more so the lyrical content yeah it's true um you know hope for everyone was kind of written to be almost like a like a welsh carol meets uh, a spiritual yeah, uh, our gospel type song, yeah. and uh, you know the songs are kind of arranged around the like I said the weeks of Advent, order to hope, peace, joy, and love. Okay, and um, they're not in chronological order as much as I tried fighting for that. My, it's um, <laughs> uh, it, it sort of it. The hard thing is, is that you're asking. Well, first of all, people don't necessarily listen to a whole album start to finish anymore. No, no, <clears throat> they true. kind of bounce around. So. Yeah. It's it's built more like a playlist, like on on a streaming channel like Spotify or Pandora. Yeah, no, or, you're, yeah, you're right, and I think that that's what I meant when I when I when I when I said that it was refreshing. That it was it was this, the tracks are different enough that it doesn't feel like I need to listen to something else in the middle of all these things. I can just play the whole thing, and it's like yeah, like a play like a Spotify playlist, like my my like Matt Mars' favorite Christmas playlist that you're sharing yeah. with all of us. And and it's inspired by your your experience growing up and 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 as a musician and uh, as a parent and there's all these elements that you've brought from you know like the collaborations the collaboration with Amy Grant it's a beautiful song um, always yeah carry and, that, and that one's based on just thinking and talking about the incarnation from the perspective of Mary mm-hmm. but not in the moment but years later. Yeah, it's wonderful. In fact, I can't Amy, write about that. Yeah, as a man, <laughs> no, you can't. Oh. And in fact, Amy Grant's um, her Christmas album is one of my favorite ones. In that song, her her rendition of "Breath of Heaven," you know, like it's yeah. her voice. So to have her voice singing with you on this song makes to me makes perfect sense. I don't know, maybe it was just coincidental. It's not like you wrote it just for me, right? Um, Matt, we're going to leave it there, but it's so good to uh, to get a, to get a chance to have you back on the program and to share a little bit of these these Advent and Christmas ideas and thoughts uh, with you. Uh, Merry Christmas! I don't know, maybe you want to give our listeners one last kind of Christmas inspirational greeting or, or message before we go. You know, I think one of my favorite mini quotes still is from. Um, Pope Benedict, who said, um, God becomes a baby so you can no longer fear him. You can mm. only love him. Amen. That's a beautiful, Amen. beautiful message for Christmas. God yeah. God becomes a baby so that we can long, long, longer fear him, um, so we can hold him. Um, yeah, exactly. Amen. Thank you so much, Matt. Merry Christmas. God bless you.
That was a conversation I had with Matt Marr last week. To learn more about Matt and to get the Advent of Christmas book and album, go to mattmar.com. If you missed the beginning of the program and want to listen to the rest of my conversation with Matt Marr, go to saltandlighttv.org radio. All our programs are archived there. And to win a copy of the Advent of Christmas album, send us an email with the title of your favorite Christmas album, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Here now to take us out is Matt Marr with Jingle Bells from his new album, The Advent of Christmas. Dashing through the snow In a one-horse open sleigh Over the fields we go Laughing all the way Bells on bobtails ring Making spirits bright What fun it is to ride and sing Slaying song tonight Oh, jingle bell, jingle bell Jingle all the way Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh Jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle We're listening to Matt Marr with Jingle Bells from his new album, The Advent of Christmas, and that will bring us to the end of this program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all our Salt and Light Hour programs on our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. All our programs are available there for download. The Salt and Light Hour is a ministry of Salt and Light Catholic Media Foundation. You can learn all about Salt and Light and all we do at saltandlighttv.org. Today, Emily, Billy, and I were joined by our parenting expert, Jillian Cantor, our Hollywood undercover missionary, Mark Matthews, and our film expert, Sister Mary Paul Curry. Our technical director is Javier Capella. The executive producer of Salt and Light Media is Father Thomas Rosica. Remember to win a copy of the Advent of Christmas. Send us an email. Yeah, that's right. Radio at saltandlighttv.org. Email us the title of your favorite Christmas album. That's radio at saltandlighttv.org. We've said that so many times today. Um, we're going to draw a name if you send us an email from the people who email us. I'm Emily Callen. And I am Billy Chan. And I'm Deacon Pedro, and we hope that you have a holy and blessed Christmas season. Thank you for being with us. This has been a special Christmas edition of The, the Salt and Night Hour. Hour.